Hello and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I am your co-host and I am a booktuber. I am a narcissist. I am a hater and I am um a, a very a person with a very weird disturbed sleep schedule. The sleep schedule of someone who is not normal or okay. Great. What an intro. Um <laughs> Hello, my name is Renaissance. I use they, she pronouns. I am now in my single employment era. I'm down to one job. Everyone cheered. Everyone screamed, right? Yay! Yay! Oh, and we're T minus three days till, three days, right? Till Renaissance is in St. Louis with Sunny. I will be in St. Louis Sunday night. So, and we're recording. So by the time you can hear this... By the fucking time you can hear this, we'll be in the same place. Isn't, Isn't that insane, that y'all? Wild. I know. Who shook? Who screamed? Um, I have not seen Sunny <laughs> in person since 2018, and even then we weren't, like, purposefully We didn't know hanging. each other for real. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be exciting, which is weird because I feel like I've, like, kept you in my back pocket for, like, however long we've been yeah. talking every right. day. So, and, like, since I know all of your social interactions, <laughs> been, I'm very excited. Yes. So, so, that's where we are at today. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Wait, I do have an update. This is completely unrelated to the podcast. I went thrifting today, and I bought this vintage suitcase. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to bring it to St. Louis, because it doesn't have wheels. Because, for some reason... Wheels did not become a part of suitcases until, like, decades after traveling. And I'm like, how were you motherfuckers having trains and cars and automobiles and not putting (laughs) wheels on your suitcases? Like, y'all are so fucking Yeah, they're just carrying that Um, shit. They were. They were just fucking carrying. I'm like, the wheel had already been invented. But anyways, so it's wheelless. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to travel long distance Mm -hmm. with it, but it's very cute. It's a brown Mm -hmm. 70s suitcase and i love it and i got it for 20 bucks i'm like oh my god so i really wanted to share that because i feel like the lesbians of this podcast would really relate to the excitement of finding a good vintage piece of luggage so yes so today for today's episode we are going to be doing what we usually do which is a three-part series in which the first Mm -hmm. part we eviscerate someone's hot take or you know (laughs) revel in it and then the second part being us um, bonding and discussing, bonding over and discussing a piece of media that we consumed together over the week um, between our episodes. Although last week we didn't put up an episode because of technical difficulties, so that's yeah. sad. I know everyone missed us. And the third part of the episode, as usual, is us recommending media to each other. So that's a sleigh, as always. Um, and today we have a... Uh, a, a listener submission. Renaissance, do you want to get into what it is? <laughs> oh, yes. So the listener submission is this truly great piece of American literature, I feel, which <laughs> is a curation of, I wouldn't necessarily say news clippings. It's like information, moments, documentation. <laughs> uh, what's that called? Like archival historian, librarian, realness of gayler moments dating from june of 2014 until 
what's the last date? Sometime in 2019. June of 2019. So June of 2014 to June of 2019, a series, a five-year series of various uh, supposedly gayler <laughs> moments. Items, um, yes. Now, yes. this was, who was this submitted by? Again, this was submitted by a listener. Uh, their username is alpal, and, well, no, that's their, on Instagram, which is how they messaged me, and how they messaged Renaissance, I think, as well, is Aries Godmother, mm-hmm. and, yeah, so Aries Fantastic. Godmother sent us. We love Aries this. on this podcast. Uh, you do. <laughs> Not I, no <laughs> slander. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, this is a basically a... It, it, it's called... The title of it is Gaylor Blind Items, 2014 to now. And this listener wanted us to blind react to this blind item list. Yes, how clever. And personally, I haven't looked at this at all, but Renaissance didn't fucking get the memo, did they? <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I accidentally read it, and... Hold on, did they DM? Okay, I have to be honest. I rarely ever check my Instagram DMs, so if you DM me on Instagram, it's a real... And also, okay, so, for more context, uh, this was supposed to be recorded last week. Obviously, we did not record last week, and so the instructions for how this episode was going to play out is, like, two weeks in my mind. Listen, mm. you know... Excuses, excuses. We get it. <laughs> so, okay, but since I have, I have only read it once. It was, like, literally this evening before recording. But it was, like, pretty fast because I just, I just don't have the attention span to read things. But um, as we'll get into later in the episode. An overview, a lot of it is just, like, because 2014, that was still the 1989 era. The Tumblr post um, of Gaylor Blind Items is from the Tumblr blog Girls and Gaylers, and it's all info compiled from the AGC webpages.com slash blind items like page. So from what I can understand, it looks like like so in t- June of 2014, it, se- it says here that the earliest blind item that was found regarding Gaylor was it's called, like the number is 202 period entertainment lawyer June 19 something like it's like the asterisk so it's like it's like a date I guess but it's asterisked out to I guess protect anonymity or something like that and it says. It is pretty interesting that all of the sleepovers, this A, this A plus list singer, has always end up uh, with selfies taken in various stages of undress with her female friends. How come those never see the light of day? I also think our singer might be hiding a very big secret. Itali- italics, Taylor Swift, parentheses, a lesbian. <laughs> okay, so like, one comment that I have about this blog post is that they always refer to Taylor Swift and the various people as various degrees of celebrity and it makes it the way that it's written sounds like um the way fortune favors the dead is written where it's in this snappy night it makes it sound like it's this 1940s detective style writing yeah yeah and it's just like it's very funny it's like funny to me it reads like old gossip tabloids like fortune favors the dead yeah which if you are does an OG listener, you'll know that that's one of our earliest recommendations, and all of you should have read it by now so you will understand. 
um yeah wait this, this. the december 2014 one is actually Reference. fucking killing me the 20 <laughs> it's the 20 the december 2014 one which it says 40 and, and these are all i guess like from inter mm-hmm. i don't know what the what the entertainment lawyer element part of, i guess it's from an entertainment lawyer maybe Same. about the blind items um i don't know if these are like people in in the industry that are just like posting anonymous shit or whatever but it is, it's funny nonetheless because um journalists talking about the sexuality of this a plus list singer last night who everyone expects to come out at some point in the next year <laughs> last few boyfriends gay gay bisexual leaning towards gay oh there was the version too yeah well we knew he wasn't a virgin any longer knowing who he's dating now she probably has sex with him a million times a day <laughs> that shit is so funny what the fuck and and this is the list of the boy this is the list of the people a plus singer taylor swift gay taylor lautner gay harry styles bisexual leading towards gay jake gyllenhaal virgin patrick schwarzenegger dating miley cyrus <laughs> please this is and so then the shady. comment underneath self-explanatory no like self-explanatory. that's that, like that's truly the tip of the iceberg um the further you get into it but it is kind of insane um especially yeah, and then once there's you one... start to get into the the carly era yeah because then it goes into how carly uses taylor's credit card to make a purchase apparently and then apparently this this a-list 2015 this a-list singer had a vacation planned with her bff for this upcoming week not going to happen apparently they do not even text or call or communicate any longer and there are some very crushed feelings on the part of the bff the singer is being very very cold about the whole situation and says nothing comes before the brand taylor swift and carly Claus, girl that best friend drama no, it's, early on early it's on actually insane there's one that really really got me okay this one may 2015 met gala this A-list model said she spent most of the morning moving things out of her A-plus list former <gasps> BFF's apartment. Apparently, she was only allowed oh one hour God. to do so. It took 10 minutes. The former BFF had everything boxed and labeled with contents inventory so that the model had to sign for. Carly Claus Taylor Swift. Which is so it doesn't sound like a fucking Sagittarius during a breakup. I don't know what does yeah. because that shit that is sounds so very evil. Sagittarian. And, oh, I also thought this was funny. The um, the fact that apparently in 2015, Carly had tickets reserved for Taylor Swift for her all her des- the designer like show, and she didn't show up even though they were pretending to still be friends. And then a little tidbit from Cara Delevingne: This foreign-born A-list model who wants to be an actress will tell anyone who listens that she had sex with the BFF of the A-plus list female singer, and that both of them only like women. Foreign-born A-list model Cara Delevingne, BFF of the A-plus list female singer Selena Gomez, A-plus list female singer Taylor Swift. Please, this is so funny, and not from Cara Delevingne trying to get into the model, to get into the acting industry. Well, I mean that that makes sense because wasn't that like when she was in the John Green movies and and whatnot? Yeah, <laughs> embarrassing so. for her, honestly. <laughs> God, I mean. I think she's a nepotism baby, isn't she? I mean, she has oh, to Oh, for be. sure. Yeah. Yeah, she I, is. Oh, wait, yeah, she is, because I think she's the one <laughs> where someone took a screenshot of her Wikipedia page that said all the people that she's related to, and it's, like, fucking right. insane. 
I think it's like all right. like nobility and stuff, like old British nobility and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I love this one. April 2016. It's starting to freak people out how much this A-list model is trying to win back the singer that dumped her. The model has modified her look to try and look exactly like the singer. This whole thing is turning into a single white female movie waiting to happen. Carly Claus slash Taylor Swift. Oh my god. I didn't know this in terms of the Kalor lore. That they had been together, uh-huh. broken up. Like, I didn't know that there's this on and off thing. Yeah, yeah. This whole, like, situation of, like, oh, no, they're no longer friends, but they're trying to pretend to be friends, but now they are, and uh, yeah. it's just, it's interesting. Because, in and my it's, mind... And it's interesting how they're speculating on on these people sleeping with other people who aren't each other, like who are also involved within this whole like celebrity scene mm-hmm. I, it's just like like are you entertainment lawyer how do you know like what <laughs> please where is the like well that's what, what i don't know and especially because legitimate? when you watch miss americana all her, mm-hmm. it's taylor swift one woman and then a room full of like 20 people trying to beat these gay allegations, fighting for their life against these gay allegations. Yeah. <laughs> and Taylor Swift just continuing lives. to be. <laughs> and then Taylor Swift continuing to feed gay allegations. And then her dad, her manager, her like all of her interns being like, stop the gay allegations. So now I'm like, who are these people that are close enough to know yeah. Taylor Swift to possibly to confirm that she is doing the gay yeah. activities? She's not <laughs> a part of her team that is constantly trying to beat these gay allegations. And I think it's so funny because like of this this Taylor briefly hooks up with Cara, Cara Delevingne, who okay, mm-hmm. Cara Delevingne obviously an episode baby, but she is definitely one of like if you see her with another female celebrity, like that person is gay like you know what i mean like it's it's giving yeah. gay. it's like gay by association you know and it's like are they hooking up yeah. i don't know and that's what this is what it's speculating well there's several there's several hit tweets that are like bitches don't even come out anymore they just become very close friends with cara delavine because that yeah, happened literally. recently when um anya taylor joy and cara delavine yeah were seen hanging out and everyone's like yeah yeah, and everyone's like, there <laughs> yeah, goes yeah, yeah, Anya, yeah, another win. And then, like, that, I think between her and Aubrey Plaza, like, Dakota Johnson also is gay and bi by association. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Wait, a lot of that. This is crazy. April 2017. Taylor wanted to come out, but yeah. was discouraged by her team. 73. Mr. I, X, 04 slash mm-hmm. 08. And it says, oh, who's Mr. X? What A-list songstress who will, what A-list songstress will probably release an album later this year and sweep the Grammys for 2018 is seriously considering coming out as sexually fluid. Her PR people are warning her against it, fearing fan backlash. So this is definitely a wait and see scenario. If she does come out, it won't be this year. <laughs> And they were right about that. And it's funny because, like, that's reputation, bro. Like, and Miss Americana is filming. Oh, my God. Like, bro, the pieces are falling into place. It's just like, it's, it would, it would, everything would make so much sense. Okay. This is the other thing that I was going to talk about. Because between this, her Mm -hmm. team, again, fighting gay allegations. And with Miss Americana. In Miss Americana, when Taylor Swift is, like, trying to convince her team that she should talk about the elections that, like, are happening in Tennessee and, like, against Donald Trump and all that stuff, 
her mm-hmm. one of her managers says that like if you speak out basically against the Republican Party, that goes like half of her listenership. You know, like that's like half mm-hmm. the people that come to mm-hmm. her concerts. Yeah, which I'm like, first yeah. of all, bitch, do you know how many people go to your concerts? Like, you can lose half. You can yeah. afford to lose half. Yeah, of and plus, Reputation was the biggest fucking stadium tour. Like. Like, she made so much money off that shit, bro. Like... Exactly. So I'm like, I think you're fine losing half. But also, do you actually think that the people who are, like, dead set Taylor stands are fascist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. like, Republicans right. even at that. Like, I'm just like, you have sorely mistaken who yeah. is funding was, this little blondie's right. life. She, I think she underestimated her gay fandom until Lover when she was like, let's... And part of reputation. And I think it's like, you know, coming to terms with your own. But like, I, the amount of shade that the 2017 blind items have towards Joe is so funny to me. Like, they oh keep on insinuating Every that time. Joe is like a fake boyfriend. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> no, they, oh. they literally... Okay, first of okay, okay. No, there's so many. They call him a C-list celebrity and basically call him, like... Which is hilarious. They're like, Broke, he's not allowed dusty, to talk. Musty. He's not allowed to be seen. Yeah. He's not allowed to have a career. He's Her not allowed team. to... Be, he's like... They're like this breedable, submissive, foreign-born yeah. who is Taylor Swift. And, not, and not, with, not with them telling... Not them saying that he hooked up with a guy that he met on Grindr. What? They call him gay multiple what? times. It's given very like the way that this is written is given very when um Evelyn was married. Okay, seven husbands of Evelyn oh Hugo. Spoiler yeah. incoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Evelyn was uh-huh. married to Harry, and then Celia was married to John or James. Yeah. But then in reality, <laughs> yeah. Evelyn and Celia were together, yeah. and then Harry and, yeah. and her yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah. It's giving that. As we remember, Taylor was eerily silent when Carly got engaged. It's also so funny because, like, the way these rich people's, like, lives and, like, whether they get engaged or whether they get married or not is, like, like, there is a whole, there is a blind item about how Joe Alwyn wasn't at Abigail, Taylor Swift's best friend's wedding, which is Mm -hmm. so funny to me. Like, girl, they were checking the audience. They were looking around, like. Also, they call Carly a very tall, illiterate model. A very tall, illiterate model. Girl. No, they call her what? illiterate, like, from a certain point continuously. And uh, it's yeah. very funny to me. Like, they're like, this, yeah. I, just for all of you to know, this bitch cannot read. It's not relevant, but right. she's illiterate. <laughs> but she's illiterate. And they call Carly's wedding, like, fake. Uh, like it's a setup wedding <laughs> but the thing is is that i maybe at the time that this was written maybe it was a fake wedding but personally i don't think that it's a fake wedding i think she really married a kushner yeah yeah like why would she not come on you know wait and also taylor like, sings speak now the evil, night after her you know I mean? yeah wait the september 2018 show that mm-hmm. wait that was the show that my friend met taylor swift at and that was a show I was going to go to with her, but it was a, it was like Tuesday night. And I was like, I don't know enough songs off Reputation right now for me to go. But like, and they were going to be like pit. So like, I don't regret not going, because if I had gone, I wouldn't have like known what was going on because I wasn't a Swifty in 2018. So like, I don't regret not going, but it's mm-hmm. like interesting seeing what I missed out on because she did. And like, she invited me to go, but like I would have had to pay. And then also I would have had to 
like told like you know so it's interesting to see what i missed out but anyway it's interesting that it's mentioning st louis because carly grew up here and like it's very much six foot giraffe from the loo or whatever yeah also it's saying taylor's saying speak now right after his st louis because it's about yeah the stopping of the wedding like exactly so it's just like bitch listen listen closely Wait, but apparently in October 2018, Carly unfollows Joe. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, the illiterate yikes, model. Okay. The illiterate, the illiterate singer has basically been in mourning since that big life event of her former lover, meaning Carly marrying Miss Josh. Emma Stone is asked about Joe Alwyn. Yeah. Oh, because of the favorite. Yeah. Joe can't answer a yeah. damn question. No. Yeah. They okay. Taylor's team definitely had that boy like. Like, lock and key. They're like, shut the fuck up. Shut the... You cannot be seen He has or not heard. been allowed. You cannot... <laughs> Literally. He cannot breathe. He has not he said a word breathe. since the favorite. Like, he has not said a single yeah. public word since the favorite. Yeah. He posts on Instagram sometimes of, like, pictures of, like, being at yeah. the beach. And it's like, bitch, I know that you and Taylor were there. I see the pictures now. I see them. Uh, yeah. And not, okay, People, February 2019, Carly spends Valentine's Day with Taylor instead of her new hubby. This A-list illiterate model didn't spend Valentine's Day with her new husband and said she flew thousands of miles to have a hush-hush meeting with A-list singer. This is very much giving, like, seven husbands. Like, oh my god. Right? Oh it's giving, like, fortune favors the dead meets the seven husbands of Evelyn. Yeah. Hayden. Okay, so it's, yeah. it's like that and calling... Like the the posts about Joe's various grinder hookups, where I'm just like, <laughs> how much of this is credible? How much do I want this to be true? Yeah. And how are much y'all of making this shit is up? True? Who are these entertainment lawyer o five thirty dash dash like who? Well, I think that's the date oh base. Oh. The 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 dash. Right, is, no, but the, look, the numbers with the dash is 05, the date. But then, but but look at the num- yeah. So that's. Yeah, that's May 30th. But then after that, it's like asterisk, asterisk, hashtag, 13, asterisk, asterisk. Like, what's that? That's not the date. Like, what? Is that like an identifier no. of some sort? Like, what is it supposed to be? I or is it just like item like number 13? The number of posts from that date. Yeah, I think it's just an item number of that, that day. But How then if it's Cause, entertainment cause that, lawyer, like, like who, who, I mean, do entertain, like, do entertainment lawyers just like log on to the site? I'm going to scroll down, click what are you entertainment lawyer click and then write us something catty but then it's all in the same voice it's all written in the same tone so like what's real like i know i want to know how this works like oh my god okay but see that's what i'm saying when i was like i do not know if this is just like gay lords being insane because some of it yeah. does line up, like the tickets, the Instagram right. posts, like the things yeah, that yeah, can yeah. be verified yeah. just by like looking things up. But then there's mm-hmm. things like the secret meetings, the you know engagements, yeah. Joe's grinder dates, um, him being <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal yeah, by so sexual funny. gay leaning. Them call they they fucking call them calling Harry Styles and Taylor Lautner gay in the same breath. So funny. And okay, so it's I'm just obsessed like, with this June 2019. The appearance mm-hmm. Taylor made at Stonewall was supposed to be with Carly. I think I've heard <laughs> like, this one before, though. I think I've heard really? this theory before. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what this was one, the theory. 
they had a project no, that, for this month they would do together for the 50th yeah that carla was supposed to yeah carla was supposed to go with taylor to stonewall oh. like i'm pretty sure that 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 is like a known thing and then and then because this was this was post reputation obviously um but june yeah. 2019 that would have been lover era it's giving the seven husbands like it's literally no it's giving what, what was the first thing that we said on the, on on the first episode of our podcast taylor swift is not gonna come out until carly oh, taylor dies. Swift is not gonna come out <laughs> until carly's cross is until until yeah in her memoir besides in her motherfucking her is, memoir yeah. is dead and it, she's gonna pull like the <laughs> whole team go, we're, we're not gonna know until like yeah. the fucking end like yeah it's like like she's, she's gonna, gonna be on you. her fucking deathbed this is why once again i mean a very common theme throughout this is we want to consensually kidnap taylor swift and force her to answer all of our questions <laughs> and all this is really them. feeding into the little things that i want to be like taylor read this yeah tell me what Please. of this is true names taylor swift is so internet savvy and she like reads and sees yeah viral posts about her. not even viral yeah. posts just like regular stan's post has she seen yeah i want to know what she's seen i want to know what she's heard exactly I know what she's read. and what does like, she think is weird and what does she think is funny and what does she think is like sweet like what does like what do i want to i want to know yeah. what she thinks is corny versus what she thinks is like fucking hilarious like well, I don't first know. of all because also we need to start mm-hmm. with the fact that she's a millennial like she is a millennial right and she does own she's cats. a millennial so yeah she does she's a millennial with cats. like we have yeah. to start there yeah she was she was a horse girl like exactly like, <laughs> this she bitch, faked a country this bitch accent was, for three nah, years literally so literally <laughs> she is we insane. must consider this yes we must consider this um but then i'm like true. okay so because she has engaged with her fans being stands of her for so long. Yeah. And, like, and then has thus invited them into her home and place yeah. of living. That I'm like, what does yeah. she find charming and funny and silly and cute? And what does she find genuinely invasive? And does it depend on, like, from yeah. who? Like, if a gossip yeah. tabloid that's making money off of a post says the same thing that like a 16 year old girl does does she find those Uh equally invasive and i wonder like like hurtful if a gossip does it then versus like a fan who she knows obviously cares about her yeah i also wonder like okay i saw a tiktok of someone being like of someone being like because taylor Swift like internet stalked the fans that she invited to secret sessions like she like knew what they were saying about her and like she knew what they were posting and stuff before she like ever had them in her house and this one this one like swifty i follow on tiktok was like were there any like gaylers who are at the secret sessions like because and i think there were is the thing like funny because if taylor swift has like stalked through everyone's fucking fan account (laughs) and seen their gaylor post or whatever and invited them to her like that is so funny to me she is she's so shady like that you know like no exactly and like it and even even if there weren't gaylors at the secret sessions yeah at that point with the number of fans that she has had in her home that means that she's specifically excluding gay lores and in which case what do right. you have to hide miss taylor why are you <laughs> the gay lores into your home either way you it's say, a little bit sus 
one You say might that say. you are an ally, and yet there have been no gaylers in your home. <laughs> so, so what is who, the truth? Who are you an ally to, really? Exactly. Gun to your head, babe. Oh, but yeah, so that's our, our daily, monthly, weekly gayler rant. Um, you know, you get the routine by now if you've been around. And if you haven't, well... We have to talk here. Her, here you talk are about Gaylor at least once an episode, or we will perish immediately. We will so. fucking die. It will kill us. And I mean, you know, this I guess leads us to the second part of our episode, in which we talk about a piece of media that we have to consume together. And this is also this piece of media is also about girl best friends, girl best friends, and yeah, girl groups and internalized misogyny and. Just fun little things like and like family drama and just just little interesting things like that. You calling this and, fun um, little things really, I think, shows the level of your insanity uh, barometer. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing okay, fun so, nor little about. I mean, it's like a novella, so it's small itself. But like, there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Fun nor little, nor Fair. flirty. You're you calling this family drama is like girl. You exposed yourself. You exposed yourself. (laughs) So the thing that we're talking about this week is another um, listener submission, which I know we're so fucking generous. Um, This was from Aoife Gowen, and they sent in, they submitted the novella Many a Little Makes by Sarah Shundian Bynum from The New Yorker posted on July 12th of 2020. So we read Many a Little Makes and um, we both enjoyed it. Also, Aoife pitched it to us as like a queer coming of age girlhood sort of story that, you know, we love. We love. It's like part mm-hmm. of our brand as well, you know? And yeah. honestly, like for me, it kind of reminded me of The Divines by Ellie Eaton in some no, ways. I was going to say, I was like, this is literally like a novella version of the divines yeah yeah like and like it's it's more like american and suburban as opposed to like british and posh but like it has those same vibes for sure yeah like the themes are very Mm -hmm. similar like it's like yeah like like font kind of right yeah 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 because like in the, the divines a huge plot point and a huge like motif and thematic thing is how these young young girls are figuring out their sexuality in relation to men like boys who are like older than them and are who are around them and that's like a key part of this novella where you know there's a whole like my best friend's brother thing which i thought was interesting and they go to an all-girls school which is like very important here in this story and is also very important in the in like a in an isolated kind of way yeah 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 and like just not really interacting with like boys on like a day-to-day basis and then being like this like special unique interesting treat that you have to go after and the way that they center their lives or like their behaviors around boys which is like really integral to the way that their dynamics end up being like fucked up and the ways that it changes their perception of each other because we're following these three girls who are all best friends they're named marie brie and um imogen and they are like they're they're friends who've been friends since like second grade they're like like element like grade school and they were friends throughout grade school elementary 
uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and beyond. And, like, we're getting the perspective, like in The Divines, from the, at the very beginning of the story, um, the adults, Marie, and her looking back on her childhood and, like, and like talking about how she became friends with these people. And <clears throat> because she get it's all, like, kind of instigated by this email or text she gets from Brie. And she then reflects on the whole lead up of their relationship and like how it really even worked but yeah it, it was really I think for me it was really engaging and it really tickled the same spot that the divines did um in all the ways that we discussed mm-hmm. that it was similar but yeah I mean what else did you think of the book what else stood out to you well for me a very important part of it that was also shared with the divines that makes me not find it awful to read was that it's an adult uh-huh. woman looking back on her youth, and it's not a, it's yeah. one, not a children's story, and two, not a story about children. It's about yeah looking back on a childhood from the adult perspective, which to me is yeah. the only way that I can engage with stories about <laughs> teenagers uh-huh. or young people. For some reason, it didn't click with me that when um who is i think it's brie is the one that starts having sex Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when brie starts having sex that's still the summer before high school and so she's like yeah in between eighth grade and freshman year when she starts having sex yeah and i was like yeah whoa that's oh my god like yeah really young because like yes people in high school have sex but right i was like wow that's young well, also, it's, like, set in the, like, 80s or 90s, I, I, I suppose, which is interesting because, like, I feel like people in the generation yeah, but- right above us or, like, even ol- even older than us, like, I feel like they, I feel like they started having sex at, like, a younger age than we did, honestly. Like, at least from, like, from media that I've, like, heard and also people's, like, people's written experiences and stuff, like, I feel like, like, I don't know, people will be like, oh, yeah, I, I started having sex when I was, like, 13. I'm like, what? Because at my high school, like, people, I'm pretty, like, at least half of my entire graduating class were, like, had never done anything remotely sexual. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's, Mm -hmm. there's some, there's some generational or cultural difference in terms of, like, when kids start having, and I also think it has to do with generally just, like, ignorance, because, like, like, that's, yeah, because, like, I mean, mean, by by the 90s, there has been, uh uh-huh. There has been statistics on the average age of losing your virginity throughout the generations, and it has become later and later and later. <coughs> in the same way that, like, yeah, every and, milestone right. into adulthood has been moved later and later in, like, the past two generations between millennials and then the predictions and the current realities of Gen Z. However, yeah, I'm pretty sure for even in this setting, 13 or 14, because it specifies when Mary finds uh-huh. out... Um, yeah, because her mom is like, is she fifteen when, or fourteen? When she, and she's like fourteen. Yeah, yeah. When when that, when I'm Mari tells her, still mom, pretty like, sure that's yeah, pretty young, and especially since the brother is yeah. 16, well, the brother is which, like sixteen. Yeah, not that a two-year age difference as you get older in life. It's just weird because she was fresh out of middle school and he was like in high school like that's weird i don't know he, well he would have been why going would you to junior year of high school and he was yeah. having sex with someone yeah. who had just finished eighth grade and was also yeah his little sister's best friend so little like, sister's friend mind, yeah so like in my mind that's weird that's like having sex with like, like yeah how do you not think of your little sister <laughs> like yeah 
But also, like, that's a thing. I feel like, I feel like there is another sort of, uh, like, there's like a cultural or generational thing that I'm missing here. Uh huh. In the divines, isn't it? Who's the the main character's name? The main character has, or the brother, the The love interest slash the townie. Uh, I forgot, like Rachel or something like that. No, it's Mm -hmm. not Rachel, but. We'll just use Rachel. I'm so sorry, Ellie Eaton, if you're listening to this episode. I still love you. <laughs> Forgot um, her name. But the brother, like, they also have, like, a little thing. But Joe isn't, like... I yeah. Think, like, they're, like it, that's another motif. Yeah. Of, like, the friend hooking up with the best friend's brother. Um, yeah. And, and then that eventually yeah. leads to, like, a... the ruins of that relationship. Yeah. Well, that's actually, like, that is thematically so common in, like, romance stories and also coming-of-age mm-hmm. stories. Like, in the movie The Edge of Seventeen, that's something that plays out. In a lot, There's a whole genre of romance that's, like, dating my best friend's yeah. brother or what, Like, which I think is so well, interesting. there's a whole song but, like, by, I think, like, from Victorious, my best friend's brother. My best right. friend's brother is the one. Yeah. BFB. BFB. My best friend. That's such a bop. Anyway. <laughs> like, I think that being thematic or like culturally like a thing and that being explored within the context of like just exploring the relation, the way that like girls' relationships to each other are so complicated and dynamic in this really rich way. Like, I also thought it was interesting the way that the author clearly delineated the ways that these three girls were very different from each other, but she created a picture of them that all, that felt so, like, I don't know, they felt so, like, real. They felt so much like people that, and they felt like descriptions of people that I was, like, that is such a perfect way to describe someone that, like, I would think. I would think of, I would meet someone and be, like, and try, and be tried to describe them in the way that this is written um i like Mm -hmm. copied and pasted some of my favorite like pieces i thought that like i also okay one of my favorite one of the other motifs within this novella is that like mari's um obsession with the smiths and Mm -hmm. her like her just general obsession with north north of england like boy band type of shit like which is like because this is like the 80s or 90s like fandom culture and stuff like is not relegated to the internet because the internet like doesn't exist in the capacity that it does or at all i mean we don't Mm -hmm. get a we don't get a direct or or strict timeline for when this is happening but it's all like it's it's just that's just not it well and i also think that's another really interesting thing about exploring coming of age from the perspective of an adult looking back now because when you're writing now like in these in these modern days it's impossible to write about like adolescence and childhood within these modern days without incorporating technology of some kind in 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 really deeply in a really deeply integral part of the like in, as a deeply integral part of the story which i think the contrast here of the sort of framing device throughout the story of the the snippets of the message from Bree to Mari when they're both adults in contrast to their their childhood is so interesting like the forms of communication and the the mode through which people can maintain relationships and the and the ways that girls are friends and how that is impacted by technology and time and like it it just frames the way that stories can even be told like like in ladybird um greta gerwig talks about how she wanted to set ladybird in the 90s because it was the last time that teenagers could come of age without 
without having like a cell phone, I guess, or like, you know, in the early 2000s mm-hmm. when, you know, and that's why she made the, the deliberate choice to do that. So, and like, obviously in The Divines, like it's similar, Ellie Eaton on our podcast, which you should go listen to the episode where we interview her and talk to her. It was really fun. She talks about how because there wasn't an internet, there wasn't like cell service, you wouldn't call people. Like it created more of a sense of isolation and a limitation of the world. Like these, the girls in The Divines are so, they're so... They're so socially so dependent on each other. Yeah. Because in a way of, like, in contrast to my coming of age, for example, I, my oldest, like, internet friend I made when I was in 6th grade, 7th grade, 12 or 13, and we're still uh-huh. friends to this day. But, like, she's a very important part of my growing up, despite the fact that most of our friendship has been online. And so, yeah, uh, which is like different, like there, there were other people outside of where I lived or went to school with that I could speak to about my mm-hmm. interests. Whereas, yeah, Mari in this situation only has Breen Imogene and then Melanie, who she bonds with yeah. over because they're, she's the only person who likes the Smiths. And so I think that's a yeah. very interesting aspect of the narrative. And also just myself as someone who watches movies um we'll get into this later but i'm re-watching seinfeld slash watching it for the first time you know what i'm trying to say and it's a mm-hmm. one of the first sitcoms that i've watched in a while where there's no really technology and like you just have mm-hmm. to there um i just finished season one starting season two and there's this scene where I, I promise this is related, but also kind of not really. But there's this scene where Jerry is trying to convince George to go to the bank with him. And it reminded me of, like, if you didn't want to be fucking alone anywhere, you couldn't just take out your phone and, like, text your friend, like, hey, I'm at the bank. And, like, have a fun, quick uh-huh. text conversation with them when you're in line yeah. for something that's, like, boring or mundane. You just had to force your friends to go with you and run your errands with yeah. you so that you weren't fucking alone yeah. all the time. And I think um, mm-hmm. this really shows in this story and, like, when they were saying that they were at Imogen's or one of their houses, like, every single weekend. Like, they spent after school mm-hmm. together, weekends together. They were obviously mm-hmm. together over the summer. When they went to high school, they were allowed to stay over on, mm-hmm. like, weeknights and stuff like that. Like, if yeah. they were never alone because they are always with each other and their relationships didn't become internet-based until, like, college and adulthood and things like that. Exactly. Which is, like, very separate and isolated from the foundational years of their relationship, which were as children. Right. Which is the thing, like, the thing about childhood friendship is that you're friends with people because they live near you, you go to school together. You might not have that many similar interests or anything. They just happen to be around you. And then you spend so much fucking time together that the actual act of spending so much time together is what creates the friendship and not necessarily the fact that you know who you are as a person and your interests and then you can come together knowing those things. Because obviously you don't because you're 10 like or or you're 12 or 15 or whatever. You're still figuring yourself out. So you're doing that with the people that you know best and the I thought that it was really beautiful the way that, like, Imogen as a character was described, her house, the way that everyone would go to her house on the weekend, and it was just, like, a known thing, but the way that Imogen also seemed like 
she was kind of removed from the other girls. Like, she was still there, but hold on, let me find the chapter. I I think I pulled out this section. It says, by eighth grade, they had reached an unspoken agreement that among the three houses, Imogen was the one they preferred. The closest to school, the most comfortable, the coziest, her parents visibly amused by their enthusiasms. The pantry at Imogen's house was kept magically full. Every Friday afternoon, they would, so like that, and then later on it goes, you know, Still, she was, she was, where, like, later on, there's a description of how Imogen would, like, go into the kitchen while the two girls were there doing something, and she would just be, and she would just brush past them to go on a run, and, like, not tell them anything, and they would be like, hey, what are you doing, and they're, she would just be, like, going on a run, and then she'd just leave, and, like, she, so she had her own world removed from them, and the way that Mari had her own world removed from these two, because in, in the, in her interest in the Smiths, because these two girls, despite her trying to get them into it they like weren't because like she (laughs) and like i love the passage where she's like she went back and forth between trying to convert imogen and brie to her excellent taste and wanting to keep the smith of something sacredly her own but how could you help share that that so hard I related to that so hard. And then she says, but how could you help us share what that which took up so much space in your mind? She talked about the band daily. And although her friends wouldn't necessarily know a Smith song if it hit them over their head, they could recite the names and the instruments of the band members. They could recognize some photos, et cetera, et cetera. Which that was so funny because that's such a perfect embodiment of how being a little girl who's so into something is. When your friends are just not on the same level, which they rarely are. Like, like I feel like when you get really get into something in the, on that level, it's never because of other people. It's always, like, in spite of it, almost. Well, I remember in middle school, because the, I mean, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. I feel like I have. We've definitely had this conversation. But my first fandom was Downton Abbey. I watched it in sixth grade, and I was obsessed like this was my fucking shit i still have all my downton abbey merch that i still have from middle school because of how fucking much i love this show and i still love it but anyways none of my friends my friends would literally be like renaissance stop talking about this show and would i (laughs) but i'd keep talking about it and like people in passing who are not my friends who had to like listen to me talk about this show would make the grave mistake of asking me oh renaissance what show are you, what show are you talking about not knowing <laughs> the fucking info dump that they're about to get and it got to the point that even though my friends i talked about it so much to the point where even if they had an interest in the show would not watch it because of how fucking much i talked about it but they had they had memorized like this snippet summary that i would say verbatim every single time yeah. someone asked me about this show yeah. that even though they had never seen it they knew what I was going to say if someone asked me what show I was talking about. And it really reminded me of that scene where it's like, even though they could Uh not fucking name a song if it played for them, they knew the details because of how fucking much (laughs) Mari would not shut up about it. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. And that then was me the way grade. that it went full circle at the end, where at the very end of of the novella, they're talking about like the nicknames that they gave each other. And they come yeah. up with a nickname. And it's, like, so tangential because they start calling Brie, uh, I think they start calling Brie no, they, Brickle they start, or, like, Pickle. No, they start with calling um, Imogen Pickle because their last name is Pickett. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go from Pickett oh, to right, right, right. Pickle. And then Imogen yeah. calls Brie Brickle off of her nickname Pickle. And yeah. then they were, like, in the library and they're, like, yeah. looking at And they at called what, her Brick? 
Yeah, which turned So they called Brie Brick. And then they were mm-hmm. like, wait, Mari, you need a fucking nickname too. And so they're like, Pr- Pickle, Brickle, Mickle. And then they look it up and they're like, yo, this is actually a town in the north of England, which is where, which is where the Smiths are from. And they're like grinning, like, whoa, this is so, which I thought was so, like, that's the beauty of like girlhood and like friendship Uh, in the way that it's like, you don't, like, you don't know shit about, like, you don't know who they really are necessarily, or like you, you're not you don't know them on that level because you're not them or like you you don't you're not into the shit that they are into um or like because brie is seen as the one who's like gets the boys and like got like became the pretty one first and like she like is you know she's the one who first like has sex and whatever and so that's like her thing and like imogen is like a very high achiever and like all the things that she does and um and then like mari is like like Mari is very obviously interested in the Smiths and like just very precocious and like super like nerdy and like quirky in that way like they all have their own little thing but like what brings them together is the fact that their love lasts so long seven by Taylor Swift like (laughs) and it does because we see their their like communications when they're adults but like it's it's tinged with that nostalgia and the sadness that is present in all of all of the reminiscence of girlhood and childhood that is always there because it's like it's very much wishing to return to the time before civility before i learned civility exactly um which there yeah. is that, and because like that uh-huh. twinge of of the there's the happiness of nostalgia of looking back of mm-hmm. the naivete yeah. of childhood, but it's bittersweet. But also, it's yeah. always going to have that undercurrent of sadness that you will never be able to return mm-hmm. to that yeah. period. There is something about, but I also feel like it's so fucked up the pressure that people put on children. Because I remember being a child and people uh-huh. being like, "Oh, enjoy your childhood. You're gonna wish you go back." And when like when you are a child, you're like, "No, this shit fucking sucks. I can't do anything." I da 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 yeah, like all the reasons. All the shallow reasons that you think being a kid for whatever reason sucks. But then uh-huh. in every single piece of media that I've ever read mm-hmm. or engaged with that is about the reflection of childhood via Taylor Swift, The Divines, now this, mm-hmm. it is always about the slight element of sadness that you will never be able to return to a period before mm-hmm. the one that you are in currently in your life, no matter mm-hmm. where you are. So, yeah, there's that. And and it's like, but it's also a sense of like, like gratefulness and also like what there's, yes, there's loss there, but it's like, there's also growth. But something that I think within this novella, um, Mari is really just grapple with the guilt, is grappling with the guilt that her mother has passed um, from cancer and Bree's mother like donated a significant amount to her treatment or something like that. Um, and, but Bree doesn't even know that Mari's mom is dead and because mari hasn't been staying in touch with them with her friends and brie specifically on that level and she's the reason why she even brings this up is because she traces it back to how when they were kids like brie was the first one to have any experience with boys and there was just and the way that her mom sort of like told her or not like instilled in her the sense that like that's not good and girls shouldn't do that and like that wasn't okay for her to have sex with this boy and it's like her problem and she need and like that's on her and you guys not you guys shouldn't be friends anymore but like 
like that's eventually what ends up happening because of the conflict between the parents which is like that's so it's so common I feel like with parents to like when their kids have like conflict they have to call each other and there's more conflict generated from that but then because kids are kids they end up becoming friends again and like it doesn't really matter that much but the undercurrent and the knowledge that like because something happened and you can't change it and it's in the past and that will just stay there forever and that colors the way that she that Mari even perceives Bree to this day as like a 30 year old adult woman the experience of feeling like inadequate and irritated and and frustrated at Brie for being the pretty one the one who fussed about her appearance and cared so much about what she looked like and and boys and whatever like and there's also the throwaway line of Mari being like of course like I'm a feminist now like whatever but then she's also reflecting like but my mom who was the one who like basically like slut shamed this like 14 year old girl in the first place and called her parents over this the, this situation she's she was she was the one who at the end of the day had a more had like a closer relationship to this to my to my friend and her family than i did because I haven't even told her that my mom is dead. Like, and it's like, how do you even go about responding to that when they're asking, okay, here's the update on my life. We've got a bus, blah, blah, blah. Like all this, you know, my kids are good. Like they're learning Japanese. How are you? How's your mom? It's like, how do you tell, how do you tell your childhood friend and a friend of 20 years that your mom has died and you just forgot to tell them? Like, and I think that that is part of the sadness of like, that's the sadness of growing up. And that's and not just reminiscing on your past, but also like the, the closeness that you lose. And that's, that's what hurts, not the actual like reality of the past, but the remembrance and the longing for it. That's like the saddest part, the loss of that relationship, like, and that environment that was able to cultivate such a unique and particular type of relationship. I really, oh, I thought the scene where Brie and Mari had started their period, but they didn't tell each other yeah. later because they both thought the other person yeah. thought it was gross. And there's this scene where yeah. the tampon flies out of the little yeah. mouse pouch and she picks it up and tucks uh-huh. it under her sweater. I just thought that that was such a uh-huh. cute, fun, girly yeah. moment. Oh, actually, hold on. I do have, this is a... a not a better thought, but just a, a different thought. Um, the scene when Melanie is telling Mari that Brie had sex with Imogen's brother. In the writing, it lists, like, on the three levels of why she is extremely hurt. Like, she is hurt that, like, one, Brie's having sex with boys. <laughs> She's hurt that it's, like, out of all the people... Oh, no, I think it's when... Is it when she has sex with Nicholas? It's when she has sex with Nicholas, not Imogen's brother. Wait, is Nicholas Imogen's brother? I'm pretty sure Nicholas is Imogen's brother, but I don't remember. I think so, because this is the moment when Mary's mom has to call Imogen's parents. And then on the third level she's hurt is that because she's hearing this from Melanie and not from Brie. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of like... When when it's obvious that Brie is starting to be attractive to boys, or like men, or not men, but boys are attracted to Brie, and we get Mari's perspective mm-hmm. of it, of like this kind of like jealousy, it's this kind of like encroachment on this intimacy that I, that I perceive that she felt yeah. was like reserved for just Just them. for them. 
mm-hmm. in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And and it's not necessarily the act of sex that I think bothers Mary about Brie having a sex life. It's the fact that mm-hmm. sex, in this case, represents a level of intimacy that she and Mar- Mary don't have. Or not necessarily uh-huh. aren't able to have, but like... It's, again, like, those very, very intense female friendships. Well, where do you... Mm-hmm. When is it just platonic? When is it just sexual? Because, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a form of mm-hmm. jealousy that these men are... Or not, again, mm-hmm. not men. That these boys are able to have sexual relationships with Brie that mm-hmm. Mary feels that she either is not allowed to, is unable to have with whatever. But then there's, like... She feels mm-hmm. that it's, an, it's, it's degrading the level of, like isolated intimacy that they've been able to have their entire life and so i thought you know our general thesis of the podcast is about the queer the queerness Mm -hmm. of very intense female friendships especially Mm -hmm. like girlhood and stuff like that so i I think Mm -hmm. that was really interesting to see that played out Mm -hmm. once again in a new piece of media that we're talking about yeah yeah for sure. And, okay, so I went and checked, and Nicholas is the name of Imogen's older brother, and it's funny because the way Mar- like, we're okay. we're in third-person POV, but it's from Mari's limited perspective, so, like, it was, yeah. it was interesting because it was, like, they taught, like, I had to reread the section as soon as I read it because I was like, wait, what? Because it was, like, she was introducing Imogen's pet dog and the name of the pet dog, and then immediately right after, it was like, this is the pet dog, and then Nicholas, the older brother, and I was like, wait, what? And, like, in Mari's mind, these people, these, these are the same level, like, the, the other, it's like the other creatures that inhabit Imogen's house, like, is what she thinks of these, yeah. you know, fucking Nicholas and the dog, like, she doesn't give the, she doesn't give two shits, right, like, it's not, it doesn't really matter to her in that way, oh, and it, oh, this is the other thing, I thought it was so funny, like, the very first scene of them hanging out together, when they're making the yellow batter cake, and they, the girl, Brie and Imogen, <gasps> yeah. like, tackle Mari to the ground, smearing the batter on her face, and Mari the whole time is thinking yeah. about her mom, would, about how her mom would tell her that she would get salmonella, and that she was gonna die, like, and I was like, that was so, such a specific, like, tapped into such a specific, like, understanding of like like a memory almost of like how in childhood there were like there'd be the weird especially about cleanliness because mari is japanese and like my like my parents are asian too and like they there's just such specific like um things that are like considered unclean that my parents would tell my mom specifically would tell me about and so when i would go over to other people's houses or we would be doing things together and they would do things that i was like "Mm, my mom would not let me do that and i've also internalized the values of like you shouldn't that is unclean that is unclean thinking about all the germs that are in there and mari thinking about that when she's you know like nine hanging out with her friends i was like so real so real so true because (laughs) but then eventually her coming to the conclusion at the end of the scene of being like you know what i only want yellow batter cake for the rest of my life the store-bought stuff and that was also so real because it was like that feeling that need to like you want to get a taste of what you think is supposed to be normal what you think like what you think people are supposed to live like how you think kids should be then you're like wait a minute 
I want this is how I want it to be. But like your par- like your parents don't get it. They're just like, "What? Like why why would why would it be that way? Why why should we buy the yellow batter cake? We don't eat that. That's not that's not that's never been in, even within the conception of something that we could have in our house as a as a food." And like I that, I thought that was very interesting because it's another way that it this story comes around full circle in terms of the way that Mari's moms and mom and the values that her mom has internalized into her like they they are like innate at a certain point she can't it her mom's views on like brie um colors the way that she views brie her mom's views on like you know cleanliness made her made her uh directed her behavior when she was a small child and like it's like it comes all the way through and i feel like i feel like another theme in this story is that that like mother-daughter relationship almost and like because this is ultimately about like it's set in the time of loss of grief of mourning and um I don't know it's like like there's so many things that this author was able to squeeze in to like as themes and as motifs and as like character studies and and like a creating of this setting that feels so like real that I was like this is very masterful and I and I really enjoyed it yeah I I really enjoyed reading it it definitely reminded me it just it felt it read like how the things that you've shown me that you've uh-huh. like how they're written I'm like oh this is a story that I think like as I was reading I was like oh this is a sunny story even though it was recommended (laughs) great great recommendation from the listener but also just like thank you that genre the the sunnies of the of our listeners I feel like yeah should read this novella yeah like they're it's on the new yorker online yeah yeah I feel like there are people who are are the me the renaissances of the listenership (laughs) (laughs) And this, I think, uh-huh. if you more kind of like there's the Allisons and the Gabbies. Yeah, very that. Rest between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is like if you more self-identify as as a sunny of our yeah. listenership. I think. I mean, I also very much enjoyed this, but just branding yeah. wise, I feel like this falls very, very strongly. Yeah, I feel like brand. that would be a fun poll to do on Twitter. We should do. Are you more of a Renaissance or a sunny? <laughs> I th- no, and I see feel like where you would. Our- wipe my ass with it i mean we can but it's gonna be like 98 percent sunny two percent renaissance i feel like no though i don't know wait wait when have you noticed that when people follow us on our twitter account by the way follow us on our twitter account at the lavender pod do people follow you as yeah. well like have you noticed that yeah yeah i get that i yes. get that all the time too so i feel like yeah. people are people are coming on both of coming on both of our pages like i don't think i don't think people highly favor one or the other i i don't think that's what's going well, you on have, or like, relate naturally... to one or the other you naturally have more internet clout, which, like, I'm very <laughs> comfortable with. Like, I love writing on your TikTok. First of all, one of your TikToks is going viral right now, but, like, my comment... Which like, one? I think you're one of the top comments. You're one about Snowy Oh, yeah! Oh, Because right, I right, right, still... Right, right. Yeah. I think it was, like, from a week ago. So every time I yeah, open it, it's, like, 10 new people have, like... My comment on that TikTok. And Dude, so, it's so fucking annoying. I can't go on that app in peace. I, I can't. Like, it's just I, there's at least ten new comments to be to be annoyed at every time. But anyways, nonetheless. But, yeah. So some I've just like I've I've given in, and I'm just like you know I'm just gonna comment on every single TikTok that you make that I come across. <laughs> I'm going to comment, 
And so now I'm just like, y'all better be knowing who I am. Oh, yeah, because there's one where I said, I was like, you're serving very androgynous. And then that uh-huh. comment started to get, like, a lot of likes. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm allowed to call Sunny androgynous. You are not allowed to call Sunny androgynous. <laughs> not you. Like, no, y'all I bitches. That. that was so funny. Y'all bitches are supposed to you be don't listening. Listening to every <laughs> word that Sunny's saying. I'm the only one allowed to make that kind of comment here. So I really do like to just uh, berate and belittle yeah. your followers in your comment section. <laughs> it really makes me giggle. Yeah. No, it is funny. I like you know the those TikToks that are like that are like when I when I get comments on my videos being like unrelated but you're pretty. That is related to everything that I say. <laughs> that genre of video, I think it's like like that's the energy I feel like that we have like on the podcast. I'm yeah. like it's like unrelated but you guys are yeah. so pretty. Um that's actually integral to to the discussions yes. at at hand here. <laughs> I feel like that's like uh, I was like if like when people like quote a joke that we've said on the podcast to us and there's yeah. like oh this part made me laugh and it's like no this entire thing is for that joke this is a two hour long episode yeah that supports this one joke so thank you for and it's it. also like oh this made you laugh that's funny because this made us laugh you can hear us cackling <laughs> at, the, at us saying this we think we're so fucking funny like <laughs> when it's when we literally placements. take five minutes to repeat the same joke just back to each other back yeah, and like, forth and it makes us laugh hilarious. every time we say it exactly exactly <gasps> that that's our slay i think so for all of our oh listeners we are fans of our own podcast like we enjoy we're fans making each we're other fans. laugh on this podcast <laughs> so exactly. also i think exactly. for a poll about are you a sunny or are you a renaissance mm-hmm. i feel like we should be like are you a sunny sun with, like, a renaissance rising? Or, like, a renaissance sun with a sunny rising? <laughs> with a sun? Please! That I'm like, is that so is funny. how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, how we yeah, delineate that's a good way to go our listeners. It. Or, like, yeah, or, or yeah. The, you can be, like, a sunny stellium or, like, a renaissance stellium. Yeah. And it's, like, double sunny, Yeah, and then the alternatives. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. That would be funny. Oh, okay, that well, now good. to the third part of the podcast. Yeah. Third part of this episode in which we recommend media to each other. Wow, Slay. Awesome. My recommendation is um, Thelma and Louise, which, like, this is a very popular oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, um, that's on my, that's so on this my watch isn't, list like, for sure. Yeah, it was on my watch list for a very long time. It's heavily referenced in media in the way that, like, you do not need to watch Star Wars to know that Luke, I am your father, is quoted from star wars um yeah and it's often used yeah, yeah, as a yeah. way to like as shorthand for girl best friends um like they're like thumb and louise like uh-huh. they're inseparable girl best friend mm-hmm. it has susan sarandon who i love her and her tits and she's amazing and she also is a okay. liberal hater <laughs> in a non-conservative way uh-huh. uh which i also love for her Oh um, yeah, I quote tweet. I've quote tweeted some of her stuff, which I think is so funny. Like, yes, Bay, go yeah. off. Love like, you. She, like she does not like Biden. She does not like Biden in a very based yeah. way, and I really, yeah. I think she's extra <laughs> sexy because of that. And it also has Gina Davis, yeah. who I thought was a lesbian, and she is not a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And not only is she not a lesbian, but she used to be married. She's to married Jeff to Goldblum. a man. Jeff Goldblum. Oh my fucking god. Man. But yeah. she, one of her ex has either the one or 
one of her yeah. ex-husbands. I'm unfamiliar with her marital history. Not that important to oh, me. Oh, for sure. Besides the Jeff yeah. Goldblum detail. Um, mm-hmm. So I do not know why I thought she was a lesbian, besides the obvious fact that she looks like a lesbian. But right, right. that is not the case. And it has a young Brad Pitt who is, like, mm-hmm. uncomfortably hot in this. Like, I've heard <laughs> In the movie. Yeah. Like, if he uh-huh. was a lesbian, he's this close to looking like a mask lesbian. And right, right, right. I was Very like, close, yeah. I was like, mm, I do not like that I find you attractive, Mr. Pitt, in this movie. Yeah. Mr. Um, Pitt. That's how I felt about, um, I, I watched The Green Knight recently, and I was like, Dev Patel, you're evil in this movie. Like, I don't like you in this movie. But you kind of slayed. Mm-hmm. You slayed with the whole, with, with with these these looks it's given like i'm like wow i like you know i'm still a lesbian but like if he was Mm -hmm. gay and he needed to marry a woman Mm -hmm. to make his parents happy i would more than Mm -hmm. happily volunteer to do (laughs) is my level of adoration for dev patel yeah he's definitely a bae like he has like teddy bear like vibes but like sexy Mm -hmm. in the same way it's weird like i love when someone can do that Oh, but anyways, um... What's your recommendation? My recommendation is Thelma and Louise. It's really good. My next recommendation is Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney, which comes out September 7th, I believe, um, and it's Sally Rooney's latest release, and I got early access to it through the Libro FM Influencer ALC program, where, like, if you have more than a 1,000 followers on any, like, platform basically they give you like early access to like seven eight audiobooks a month before they're released and so that's how I got my hands on beautiful world where are you which everyone on twitter and goodreads is jealous of me for they're all jealous haters no they're not haters they're 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 just jealous um but I you liked normal people right yes I love normal people in beautiful world where are you I just felt like it was an elevated version of normal people with like so like it felt like all the best parts of normal people with all the best parts of conversations with friends so Sally Rooney's debut novel conversations with friends and then Sally Rooney's most successful novel normal people I felt like beautiful world where are you takes all the best elements of conversations with friends and then normal people and mashes it together with another added element of a criticism of the publishing industry and also criticism of like celebrity and fame and and also the way that people relate to each other in a classic Sally Rooney way but like on this elevated level that makes it feel so it felt like majestic almost reading it was so fucking beautiful like and it talked about capitalism and climate doom and the feel and like the feeling of wow everything fucking sucks and the world is dying and on fire like what do you fucking do it like conveyed that so perfectly in a way that made me genuinely so emotional and like how it combines like normal people and conversations with friends is that in conversations with friends there's a very close female friendship and in beautiful world where are you there is that as well but there's also a really these two very dramatic um sort of relationships going on one of them being like a strangers to potential hookup to friends to lovers and then one of them being like childhood childhood friends to like friends with benefits to dating didn't date now dating like it's like these very specific scenarios that she's so good at writing um but like two of them because it's all written in 
each chapter I think is separated. It's like it's like epistolary because we're seeing the emails that these two women send to each other. One of them is named Alice and one of them is named Eileen. Alice is very much a self-insert character for for Sally Rooney because Alice is an is an author and she's very successful because her latest book was incredibly successful and she's dealing with the aftermath of that and like being like what do I do? Because she had like a nervous breakdown um not within the context of the book but like preceding the events of it where now she's like moving to this house by like up north and like she's the only she's like a stranger there she's just living in this house by herself and you know she's and so she's communicating to her best friend Eileen who's she's been best friends with since college because they were like roommates um through these emails that are like long-winded emails about her her thoughts on like the world and also like her, her reality and then we also get the responses of Eileen and like they have such intelligent conversations about art capitalism like um beauty what it means for things like aesthetics history and this like in this in linguistics in this way that's like so like big brain and in a way that like isn't doesn't feel pretentious because both Alice and Eileen are both they're both writers um as characters so like obviously they have they know how to write so they that's how they communicate with each other but we also not only do we get that we get the alternating perspectives of Eileen and Alice in their like in the moment of what they're doing when they're going on their dates when they're going to work what they're doing at work and like also the way that Sally Rooney, oh my god Sally Rooney writes about the internet so perfectly in this book I don't think she really talks about the internet in conversation with friends or normal people like it just it's not really integral to the storyline but social media and the way we interact with it and then like just text messaging and stuff that is all integral to the relationships that these people have with each other because a lot of them are like digital right like Alice meets the guy that she fucks for the rest of the book through um like a through fucking tinder and um eileen and alice communicate through like email and like eileen is addicted to like stalking her ex on social media and like we see all of that and we see like the mundanity of their day-to-day -day lives and they're like there's them being steeped in like mental illness and like how they navigate being like women in society and like how much their relationships to the men around them are so like they're so fraught and they're so related to their their childhood like trauma like it's just it was so beautiful and incredible and amazing and um everyone talks about bisexual representation where there's a man and a woman and this like i feel like this did it in an interesting way because it wasn't really mentioned it was just like both both of the both of alice and the guys that she's fucking are both bi and like they both talk about they both bring it up at some point but it's not like an it's not cringe it's not an annoying part of like there are conversations that's like weirdly sprinkled in like they're like grown people like they're 30 year old people one like and alice's like boyfriend his name is felix felix it, like works at a warehouse in ireland like just doing packaging shit and like and so there's a lot of discussion about like class here and the way that we talk about it and then politics and global politics and how we talk about it and like in this way that's like wow fucking brilliant absolutely brilliant um anyway adore Sally Rooney so much this is definitely her best book um and like it also because it deals it's so meta she's she talks about how she feels like why do it feel so stupid that so many people like care so much about these fictional characters that I created or that so many people resonate with this thing that I made when it's not even that good or profound in any meaningful way why am I getting invited to all these inv events and signings and speak and speaking things like uh, they feel so arbitrary and like ultimately 
I'm also doing, I'm also reiterating and reinforcing all the ways that the publishing industry is so shallow and bad because she talks about going to these events with all these other writers who like are so clearly, you know, they're, they're like there for the money. Well, not there for the money, but like they've become there for the money because they've been writing for so long and like they don't know anything about what it's like to be a working class person. But why are they? But all their characters are working class people that they're trying to explore the inner lives of. They don't know shit about that. And Sally Rooney is like she's talking about you know her experiences obviously through her, the character of Alice. And um, I just I love an almost autobiography mm-hmm. uh, like auto fiction novels i think those are so fun because it's such a great way for you to be like this happened to me allegedly this is what i think allegedly like i would love to write an auto fiction novel about my own life in a really camp way and i think it would be really cool you would just write an autobiography because you are so unable to just not name drop every person who has ever wronged you or every thought so <laughs> explicitly like i you, love like, to name drop people no i love you people. like yours would be in the way that well I, I almost wanted to do this as a second recommendation because it pairs well with yours in that way but i'll save it i'll just mention it in passing i'll keep it in my back pocket uh-huh but in the way that all that jazz um, which was uh-huh. written and directed by Bob Fosse, is not uh-huh. an autobiography, despite the fact that his real-life mistress plays the mistress of the character who has the exact same profession and life as him in the movie. Oh, my God. Anyways, That's so, messy AF. Yeah. Um, messy. But, yeah, I would literally be like, mm-hmm. I would name drop every ex I've ever had and been like, so these are the like, ways. Yours would be like the way that, like, in the way that, like, John Mayer is the only ex that Taylor has named by name in one of her songs, except you would do that for every single person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are our recommendations. So to, on this episode, we talked about the insanity that is Gaylord Blinds and what is the truth? What is the truth? At the I end mean, of the day? we don't know I'm shit. I'm still no one knows day, yeah. a by Taylor stan. I think that we will see the truth at least within the next 80 years. Yeah. Hopefully sooner. Yeah. But the truth will come out. We will see the truth. About Joe, though. I think they're together. They have to be. I think they're together, too. I don't like in the in the post that they imply that it's a fake relationship. Now, Joe being gay. Yeah. I can't lie and say that I don't see it. That's funny. I see it. A little bit. Right. <laughs> I see it a little bit. But... Girls who have gay boyfriends. I know, but I, I, I do think that they're actually together. I don't think it's a PR relationship. Um, they're just yeah. so sweet. Yeah, but I do think the PR team is very manipulative in terms of, like, especially in 2018, 19. I mean, for, for reasons that make yeah. sense, but... Um, no, Joe's yeah, definitely like, silenced. He has not said yeah. a fucking peep. Um, right. And, like, it's like, he's not even... I, it's like, is he silent or is he silenced? Probably both. Like, I probably, yeah. I doubt he has anything to say anyways. But also, if he did, like, girl, wh- how, well, where, I mean, how, like, that we you know, know, no way. That he did write <laughs> some of the songs off of Folklore, and yet on the credits, right. it's still under yeah. his um, pseudonym, fake, fake name. name. His pet so name. So it's like, yeah. boy, you don't yeah. even have to hide yourself, and you're still hiding. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, everyone knows. Exactly. Like Taylor says it, and yet 
and here yeah, you are. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that's the thing. I think boyfriends should be hidden away, and she's good no. at that. And that's why she's a bisexual exactly. icon. That's that's why Joe's my favorite public boyfriend, um, in the history of, right. of pop girly boyfriends. And then right. we talked about he shuts the fuck up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We talked about the novella that we both read, which was super fun and very divine esque, and definitely mm-hmm. for the sunny suns and sunny stelliums of our listenership but right right um yeah so that was also super fun super camp and you guys should definitely read it because it's free and it's on the new yorker and it is once again titled yeah many a little makes so you should definitely yeah read that check it out and then we did our recommendations in which i recommended the hit movie from 1991 thelma and louise and Sunny recommended, what's it called? Beautiful World, beautiful Where world. Are You. Yes. It's called Beautiful World, Where Are You? Where Are Sally You? Sally Rooney. Exactly. Her upcoming release. Her fucking upcoming release! <laughs> anyway. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Lavender Menace. You should follow us on Twitter at The Lavender Pod on Twitter, like I said. And me on Twitter at Renaissance, the first E is an X. And I've been pretty active on my actual personal Twitter. And I think my tweets have really good job in quality. Congrats. So, <laughs> good job, yeah. My Twitter is at a sunny book nook. My YouTube is at a sunny book nook. My Instagram is also my name is a sunny book nook, but the handle is sunny with the camera. And yeah, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in our next episode. Our next episode, Sunny and I will be recording together in Together! Person. Physically, IRL! Yes! No more technical difficulties. I know everybody clapped. No Literally. more Zoom buffering. So please join so that episode. True. Everybody's and we'll see you all next excited. week. Okay. Bye! Bye.